Welcome in to 2 for 1 Drafts. Austin Gale here with my guy, Mike Renner. We are excited for the Tuesday edition of the 2 for 1 Drafts podcast. Really looking forward to this one. Finally, to a normal work week. The holiday schedule was kind of putting us in a tiz yes. there. That was not easy to do. But we got a couple of good segments here on the podcast. We're going to talk about some of the top underclassmen on the defensive side of the ball in the 2020 NFL Draft. We're looking at edge defenders, interior defensive line, linebackers, cornerbacks, and safety. Some good names yes, on that those list. Are, those are the positions on defense. Th- those are the positions on defense. And for more of that, go to PFF.com. <laughs> no, uh, but some of, the, some of the big names there, Chase Young, obviously, yeah. Jeffrey Akuda will touch on quite a bit. But there's also some other names, too, that are more interesting conversations, guys that have an opportunity to rise or fall upcoming. So then after that, we're going to do our classic Rolling Rook segment. That still goes on in the postseason. We had some fantastic rookie performance. DK Metcalf, I mean, what? That was a very fantastic yeah. performance for Seattle in the postseason. Wrong, yeah, definitely proven. Definitely proved some haters wrong. I was uh, really impressed with what he did deep down the football field. He adds that element to a Seattle offense that really needs that. I think um, you talked about it when he first went to Seattle. Such a good fit in the Seahawks offense. Yes. I think you saw it by a, a thousand percent in that game. Exactly what his role needs to be or should be in that offense. Yeah, and I think you're seeing why the Russell. He's a big part of why Russell Wilson's having a career year. Is basically just what that speed threat brings to the table. When we actually had it was a Kevin Cole wrote a great article about it on our website last week, just sort of breaking down it was Will Fuller and the Texans offense and just what guys who are the over the top deep threat do to opposing defenses. You know, they give you simpler looks. Mm-hmm. They take attention away from, you know, if you do have a number one receiver on the other side, a guy like Tyler Lock on the other side takes attention away from that because you can't have. We said you can't have a guy. You can't have Jalen Mills going one on one with DK Metcalf and impressing man coverage. No, you just you can't it's risk not work. that. Exactly, <laughs> you can't risk that uh, when a guy runs a four three at two hundred thirty pounds. You just can't risk having a slower cornerback on him and asking him to hold up in man coverage. Right now, we are also live on YouTube. You can while on YouTube, you check the tracker below. We're looking at the top underclassmen on the defense side of the ball. In addition to that, you can feel free to throw some chats and comments in there. We'll, we'll maybe respond to those. So let's go ahead and dive into this first one. Chase Young of Ohio State, dudes and absolute monster off the edge safest prospect in the class comes up generational talent i mean we're running out of superlatives for this guy his eval is done it's been done since like since like three months ago (laughs) he's that good i think chase young the conversation's easy he's number two pick this year his eval is whatever whatever your grading scale tops out at that's the eval Mm -hmm. on chase young at this point he's just that good don't really even need to talk about him too much more he doesn't need to go to the combine. He doesn't need to really do anything to be the lock at number two overall for the Washington Redskins. If they don't trade, they could very well trade. But the first team that's drafted a non-quarterback, it will be Chase Young. Yep. And, and so, yeah, that, that, I think you bring up a good point there, though. You talk to the, the analytics guys, Eric Eager and George Tahuri, always thinking about positional value in the quarterback position specifically. They say the Washington Redskins should swing the bat on two attack of at number two overall. Maybe the Detroit Lions do the same if he slips to three. What's your opinion of that, of, you know, drafting a quarterback until you find one, until you know you have that guy Washington can't be super convinced with Dwayne Haskins the Giants can't be super convinced with Daniel Jones where are you with see I'd, attack of to one of those two I'd teams? be all on board with that if he didn't have if he didn't have a very serious career threatening injury like that that is throwing a monstrous wrench into this whole draft evaluation process you know and it will going forward until we get a sort of clean bill on that hip because at any point over the next six months or six months post injury so at any point you know up until the draft he could uh, have avascular necrosis, which would mean that the head, the ball joint of his hip could lose blood and die. And then at that point, he has to get a hip replacement and he is not playing football ever again. And, and so that's the risk you're running with how serious this injury. It's not a high percentage chance somewhere in the 
10 to 25% over, you know, for, for like historical averages with that injury. But that's still a big enough percentage chance that I'd be terrified uh, unless your doctors feel very safe with their, uh, you know, evaluations of him in April, whenever, you know, before the draft. Have you and your dad, I know as a doctor, have gotten closer since <laughs> to attack of my low injury? I'm sure you guys are texting a bit more, asking for each other. We had feedback. actually, I wrote an article about him on the website and we had an hour long conversation. I didn't mean for it to go to an hour. He, he wanted it to go for an hour. We had an hour long conversation about his injury and what all could happen about it. And so, yes, I'm now an expert, apparently, on hip injuries. That's fantastic. I'm sure your dad's happy about that. <laughs> uh, let's go to the next uh, underclassman here. Yaturgros Matos of Penn State. Kind of a freakish player from an athletic standpoint. Six foot five, 264 pounds. Should run, you know, a, a very decent 40 yeah, at the combine. Nice. This guy's an athletic. You know, he's got the size, the tools, the athleticism. However, while he's improved every year from a pass rushing standpoint, from a production standpoint at Penn State, he still has yet to hit that ceiling yeah. that you want to see at the college level from a production standpoint before you kind of take him high in a draft. Yeah, Etor only had 38 pressures this past year. That's fine. In multiple pressures every single game, love that he was consistent. It wasn't like he's this guy whooping up on, uh, you know, some Mac tackle and then shows up in a bigger game uh, and doesn't do anything. He was fairly consistent throughout the year, but you never really saw dominance. You never really saw him get to that next level that we'd like to see when we're projecting a guy in the first round. Like all the guys who we have first round grades now off the edge had elite 90 plus pass rushing grades this past season. Yep. Like you, you have to, if you're not doing it against guys who won't even sniff the NFL pass blocking at tackle, just the chances of you flipping that switch and doing it once you do get to the NFL seems slimmer to us. So we're just going to be a little more risk averse mm-hmm. to guys like Etor who just have not produced at an elite level quite yet. But we love the upward trajectory, love the traits. So we're still going to be like, you know, second round on them. But I, I bet he ends up in the first round once all said done. And you mentioned that the guys we have first round grades on all have earned that like 90 plus PFF pass rush grade at some point or even this past year. And that's just because we love the grades. That's because it's proven. We've seen that those grades do translate to the next level. Pass yeah. rush production, specifically pressures and how quickly you're getting to the quarterback translates. Pass rush wins translate from college to pro. It, We've seen that. It's the closest thing you get in the sport to a one on one, you know, batter versus pitcher interaction that's mm-hmm. so predictive in baseball that's so you know why that's such an analytical boom works for baseball is because it was such a simplistic interaction that's the closest thing you're getting and so that's why we feel like the data at those positions has been the most accurate uh, in projecting to the next level there you go and looking at you Gross Matos when I said improving every year 2017 a 72.3 overall grade and 2018 75.1 and this past year an 85.1 overall grade improved as a run defender significantly I think he's hard to beat in the run game as a pass rusher he earned an 82.3 pass rush grade with 38 total pressures all right moving on to the next guy here Let's go ahead and get to it. We're going to talk Terrell Lewis. Uh, he's another guy that has a lot of tools that you yep. kind of want to get on board with. Injuries have been a bit of a concern with him. I, but I think at Alabama, this is a guy that a clean bill of health, you start to get excited about because of those tools. Yeah. So 148 snaps back in 2017 was his previous career. I didn't play at all in 2018. I believe towards ACL in the preseason before that. He had graded out well as a freshman, sophomore, like I said, unlimited snaps. Comes in this year. Has some highs down the stretch, kind of fell off a bit in terms of his production, but still finished with an 85.8 pass rushing grade. Another guy we see as kind of a day two, uh, high day two, mid day two, sort of like so a second round sort of guy at this point. Terrell Lewis has the length, size you like, uh, and has a few pass rushing moves at this point. 
but still just not super excited. There's not much that I get super excited with with Lewis, uh, but he definitely looks the part of an NFL player at this point and has the production, uh, has pretty good production as well. Now looking at, I want to talk specifically about Terrell Lewis versus Anthony Jennings, the, mm-hmm. the, the other Alabama edge defender. He's earned an 86.5 overall grade. Terrell Lewis is 79.6. Both of them similar in pass rush production, though. Terrell Lewis led the Alabama team with 48 total pressures with Anthony Jennings falling at 44. Close pass rush grades. Where are you at with those two players specifically? So Jennings, uh, I go back and forth on because he had that serious injury. It was two years ago now uh, in the playoffs. Uh, came back and just did not look like the same player last year, 2018. Uh, I just didn't think he was explosive. The change of direction ability when he had to get out in space, it looked ugly. And so it was pretty low on him heading into the year. Rebounded a bit. I, I think a year away from that injury was a big thing for him. But it, I still don't see the explosiveness that I'm drafting highly and thinking he's going to be able to rush the passer at well at the next level. Yep. I think um, I'm with you on that point. I think another thing, looking at these Alabama passers grades, I think a guy you want to jump on an underclassman, not for this year's draft, but Christian Barmore. He was on, our fake idea earlier this year. <laughs> yeah, on small sample size He's here, but only 168 PFF or 168 passers snaps here in an 89.7 PFF passers grade, a former four-star recruit there at Alabama. You know, when you start to put that kind of production up in the SEC, even if it is across a small sample size, over 100 no, snaps though, that, not, non-negligible. That, that's legit. Yeah. That's you know, six foot five, 240 plus or 290 plus. Pounds. That guy's a monster. He'll be the next Bama DT going round one. I'd put good money on that one. There you go. All right. Now, let's get, I got to get into Josh Uchi of mm-hmm. Michigan. Blew up this year. Pass rush production. I mean, he made a name for himself for Michigan. I will yeah. say this, and I think I bring it up every time we talk about Uchi. A lot of his pass rush wins are inside. He kind of yes, beats people was... in, in a weird way. That way, doesn't normally beat outside shoulder, but inside they, coming there. They used him as like a stand up blitzer mm-hmm. a lot, almost like an off ball guy, but he'd be on the line of scrimmage and then he'd beat guards quickly and you like you like to see that especially as an undersized guy but it's not necessarily it's not really a role that just happens at the next level if that if you're if you're rushing from there chances are you're an off-ball linebacker like mm-hmm. that's what you'd be playing full-time if you're an edge guy that's not necessarily going to be happening so uh the senior bowl will be huge for him because he was off the charts in terms of production this year 91.2 pass rushing grade but it came on only 206 snaps he really was limited really was only coming in in favorable pass rushing situations, not only, but most of his uh, you know attempts were in favorable pass rushing situations, and so can he one can he sort of tick that size box that you need to see because he's listed at two forty. Is he going to show up at two fifty? But if you're two forty, you can play off the edge of the NFL. You better be running a four five. You better be a freak athlete to be holding up off the edge of the NFL. I don't think he's quite that. I think he's a plus agree. athlete, but he's not, <laughs> he's not elite. He's not freakishly elite. He's not so. a four or five athlete. Yes. And so we'll see uh, how he does there. Cause if he shows up at two fifty and he's beaten offensive tackles off the edge, then we can start to talk about him uh, pushing up our board. I think that, I think that makes a ton of sense. Do you see him if he doesn't show up at two fifty? if he shows up closer to two forty in a hybrid role at the next level where he is playing off ball a little bit yeah. more in, in, in a creative defense, one that's willing to put people, you know, put off ball linebackers in different situations, rush the rush the passer with them, similar to what the Patriots do with, Van Noy, Dante yeah. Hightower, etc. Yeah, I mean, and they're not so the coach staffs aren't stupid at senior ball. If he shows up at two forty, he's playing off the ball. Okay? <laughs> he's not. He's not going to be. They're not going to have him in the one on ones. They didn't mm-hmm. have Joe Schober rushing in the one on ones when he was at the senior ball back in the day. And that was a similar sort of build to Uchi. So uh, I do think that then it will be huge for him in terms of seeing what he can do from a coverage perspective because only seventy three coverage snaps this past year really was not. Mm-hmm. That's not been anything he's done uh, up until this point. But uh, beating blocks and being a good athlete. 
helps at the linebacker position. So he has a, a leg up in that regard if that's where he's going to be. Looking specifically at where his 46 pressures or somewhere around there came from, it, it looks like 10 unblocked. That comes a lot from like blitzing off ball, Stunts a little bit stand up and stuff like that. And also another seven inside. It's an interesting play. I think there are some more outside wins than I saw. I'd like to go back and watch his tape and see some of those outside wins, how he's winning to the outside shoulder yeah. and, and, and kind of get a better eval of that, that move for him. Let's go to Curtis Weaver. This is a PFF dude. This guy has graded so well at the collegiate level. Yes, in the Mountain West. San Diego State's Mountain West, let me mind you. But Curtis Weaver of Boise State. This guy, I want to say interesting, six foot three, 264 pounds, but you have to admit, this guy looks kind of fat on the football. He's got a weird frame. He's got like a, yeah. a big boy frame. And I, I'm not saying he isn't athletic. He's athletic for his size, and, and, uh, very athletic for his size. But he's got an interesting frame in that it's kind of a thicker, fatter frame, in my opinion. I couldn't get yeah, over it. Watching super explosive. And, and if you're going to watch his tape, don't watch late in the season because he had a high ankle sprain against New Mexico, played through it, but was you just was not the same in the games after that, which is unfortunate because the bowl game came up against Washington and he had a good matchup there to go up against some good tackles. But he was definitely, if you watch him early in the season, was not the same explosiveness, could not turn the corner in that game because of that ankle injury. So if you're going to watch him, watch earlier in the season. He was just unblockable for probably the first eight weeks of the year uh, and like every single game, multiple pressures, dominating performance. So go back. If you're going to watch him, check the early tape. I, I like I said, he's not best athlete. Doesn't quite look like uh, you know. Doesn't look like Von Miller out there on the football field. But the <laughs> quite the, the opposite. Dude Von gets Miller. the job done. Yeah, uh, has great hands and popping his hands. Uh, uh, still, he's a his role is also very very versatile. At Boise State, they drop him yeah. in coverage way more often than you'd think. And uh, a comment here on the live YouTube chat is: Is he still edge three for PFF? I mean, yes. we see others. Others are a little bit lower on him, probably because of those size concerns, probably because mm-hmm. of those athleticism concerns, but. We at PFF, the production comes first. We see that yeah. translate more often than it doesn't. With Curtis Weaver, the production is up there with Chase Young levels. Yeah, off the charts. Uh, he's just, and it's multiple years of it now at this point. I feel pretty good about him as a first rounder. All right, let's go to Jonathan Garvin of Miami, Florida. Talk to me about him. He's not a guy that comes up a ton. These other guys we're bringing mm-hmm. up here, Curtis Weaver, Chase Young, obviously are guys up there in the top. Where are you at with Jonathan Garvin? Had a breakout year this year, uh, 88.2 pass rushing grade. Uh, to me, he's kind of like a... High day three guy though. I, I didn't see much athletically that got me too excited of you know of his big games. His best two grades came against Duke offensive line, Central Michigan offensive line. This had some disappearing acts against a little better offensive lines throughout the year, which that's the worry is if you can beat up on the the terrible tackles in college football, but not the better ones that uh, starts to get worrisome. And I think that's where I'm at with Garvin is just he's not athletic enough uh, and doesn't have the you know sort of production profile right now that's going to get me too excited moving to nick co of auburn six foot five 281 pounds not necessarily sim- similar and he's a bigger dude probably yeah, dude, not those no, auburn defense yeah those the, but marlon davidson too it's yeah, very similar in that they're just like big boys uh, like kind of playing five technique at the next level probably <laughs> yeah they'll stand they'll stand up these guys these 280 pounders as outside to stop the run though yeah I mean, it's, to stop it's just the run. to plug gaps in mm-hmm. the middle and as such like he'd did nothing as a pass rusher. I'm very surprised he ended up declaring. I mean, it might have been because he got benched late in the season, something going on there with him. But it was a two-year starter in 17 and 18. Like I said, got benched later on in the 2019 season, only 381 snaps this past year, 20 pressures. Uh, the production just, is not there. No more than five pressures in a game, and those five came against Tulane. And I know he's bigger, you know, 280-plus, but he doesn't, even for that size, he doesn't look 
that doesn't athletic. wear the weight well. Yeah, it doesn't look that athletic at that size. So I don't know which way 66.5 overall grade, 64.3 PFF passers grade. It's rare when you're not even an athlete, not even like yeah. a superior athlete. Does that level of production and athleticism translate? Yeah, it's, I don't know where he goes in terms of that size is very tweener-ish size in terms of you can maybe go, you can go put on 10 more pounds and go inside. You can lose 20 pounds, 15 pounds and go outside. I'm not sure which way he goes. I, I'm not too too uh, high on them Auburn way. and Georgia I feel like employs these types of defensive ends where like they kind of play edge defender at the college level but they're almost yeah. too big to play edge defender I don't know how the they're like defensives like that that like really don't attack and really just start like reading I don't know how you recruit like, mm-hmm. I, like how do you recruit any sort of defensive line talent I like I get why they all go to like Clemson now and Clemson and Alabama like it's because they in Ohio State it's because they, they rush the passer like they do in the NFL. They don't just like sit there. And That's run a good read. point, though. I mean, when, when you put a, put together a defense that maybe works for you at the college level, I, mean, I wouldn't say Auburn's winning a yeah. ton of SEC championships, <laughs> but works together at the college level. I, I think it's harder to recruit, though, because like Chase Young, that's like, what if they ask Chase Young to put up like another 40 pounds? Like, dude, yeah. play this hey. beefy position for us. Like, hey, that would just be ridiculous. Yeah. Absolutely ridiculous. All right, we're going to go to one of my favorites now. We're diving into interior defensive line on these, under, uh, these top underclassmen. Look here, Justin Matabuke. This guy is fantastic. So fun to watch on tape. Six foot three, three hundred four pounds, an eighty five point seven overall grade, and a seventy eight point eight PFF passers grade. If you're going to watch one game, you're like, hey, I don't have a lot of time. Drafts coming up. Gettleman's asking me for my thing. The computer folk <laughs> are involved. Watch the Ole Miss one. The yeah. Ole Miss game for Matt Abuke is so so fun to watch. Yeah, he's got that quick twitch on the interior that. Uh, that wins. I mean, it's what you need. If you're going to rush the pass with the next level as a defense tackle, you better have some off-the-ball quickness. You better have a good first step. Matabuke definitely possesses that. It is worrisome that he was so inconsistent that, that he didn't. like. I thought just like watching him throughout the year and you know watching the Ole Miss game and then seeing his final grade being only 78.8, he just felt better than that. He yeah. felt more consistent than that uh, having watched him. But... Uh, I still think he's probably a day two guy for us, probably a second, third rounder uh, in that sort of mix, mm-hmm. but definitely offers something as a pass rusher that not, not a ton of other guys outside the top group do. I think that's where I'm going in the interview process to kind of literally attack that inconsistency. Look at like, hey man, like you produce, there are snaps where you look like some, one of the best defensive tackles in yeah. this class, and there's other ones where you kind of get lost. Where are you with that? What's going on? Is that what they're telling you to do? Are you playing the run first? Where are you at? Are you not pinning your ears back? I think that's where you really need to find hey, what, out. What the hell's wrong with you, dude? What the f- is wrong with you, man? You're so inconsistent. I hate you. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, still though, uh, and tactic. I think the thing that you brought on there and I wanted to touch on is that he has that quick twitch mm-hmm. to win as an interior pass rusher at the next level. If you see that, you see that in defense tackle automatically, you start to push him up boards. Yeah. And I think he's not in that same tier though, as the Derek Brown and Javon yeah, Kinlaw. So I, I, like they're so in a I different... think there's this, the, the top tier is the guy we'll touch on next year. Jordan Elliott, Derek Brown, Javon Kinlaw. Those three would have been Marvin Wilson. If he didn't would return, have been Marvin Wilson, if he didn't return yet. Those three, I'm not going to say they're can't miss, but they're all very talented. They're all very well-rounded defensive tackle. They have prospects. that quick twitch and, and that yes, consistency. And, yes. Athleticism production, all of it. All right, let's go ahead and dive into Jordan Elliott. This guy kind of blew up this year. After a very good year in 2018, he earned an 86.6 overall grade in 2018 and 83.1 PFF passers grade. This year, Jordan Elliott of Missouri, 92.4 overall grade, 91, 91.1 PFF passers grade. That Those are good numbers. You see the consistency in his grading profile. He's got that athleticism you covet at the position now in today's passing NFL and that pa- pass rush production that mm-hmm. translates so often to the NFL. I know people you know, lose their mind over some Derek Brown highlights and, mm-hmm. and it's easy to because he is a very impressive specimen for my money Jordan Elliott his high level plays 
are the most impressive of this top defense tackle group. He will throw guys. The pop that he has in his hands uh, is very impressive. And he's, I think he's going to test well athletically as well. And he's not, he's no small, you know, he's no undersized pure three tech either. This guy is probably a good 315, 320 pounds he's going to come in at. Uh, and so he can play anywhere, any alignment you want to. Basically, can fit any sort of scheme with his body size. Uh, yeah, Jordan Elliott is a pin in it first rounder for us at this wow point. there yes. you go i like a pin in it always love putting a pin fault in me. there uh, fault fault me. Me. uh I, I i need your help here i haven't watched a snap of ross blacklock of tcu where are you at with him he hasn't been the guy in the conversation with us in these kind of guys that have that quick twitch have that that athleticism that translates to pass rushing potential in the nfl so watching the tcu defensive line and i think we talked about it last spring it's just like when it was lj collier and uh, the other one, Ben Vanigo, names eluding me. Uh, but they, they just, it's so painful to watch because they are stunting and slanting every snap. And it's just like a, an absolute mess. You never really get to see them play uh, basically like NFL sort of techniques. You're not, they're not doing asked, being asked to do NFL sort of things. But with Blacklock, you see a first step that is pretty special. He has one of the best first steps uh, in this draft class. He moves really? very well for a defensive tackle. Now, the refinement as a pass rusher, it's not there. I think I saw him use one move as a pass rusher. He, he would he would do a push-pull, a quick push-pull, and that was it. That's about what he has right now at this point. But he's a very good athlete, uh, excellent grade against the run this year, 89.5. Like I said, the pass rushing still to come but th- but but we have that sort of we know that TCU yeah when I, when really I talked to Ben Banigou last year really, I was saying yeah. you know hey like how are you developing his pass rush talking about some of your moves he's like actually I'm learning them all this offseason yeah. I didn't really get taught a ton of moves at TCU I'm like literally he was grinding Vaughn Miller film and other you know Cleo yeah. Mack to say like hey how do I add something to my repertoire that's a problem like going to the NFL as athletic as Ben Banigou was he blew up the combine broad jump 10 yard split all that stuff he still didn't have a ton of moves, not a ton of experience preparing in that way, putting together a game plan that included what moves he's going with first and second. Yeah. And I think Blacklock is probably in a similar boat, only yeah. one year removed from the story we got from Banigou. Yes. Going to linebackers here, the last part of this front seven, Kenneth Murray of Oklahoma. This guy shows up on my feed more often than you than I expect. I mean, this guy is super athletic, super rangy, makes plays that other linebackers in this class just can't make. Uh-huh. And I think those that type of athleticism, as we've said, we've said a thousand times, is what the NFL wants. People want athletes on the football field at all positions, linebacker included, and Kenneth Murray, a good athlete. I feel like he's a perfect zone linebacker. You think with all athleticism, he'd be good in man coverage, and he's really not exceptional whether it's going turning and running uh you know flipping his hips that sort of thing has not been his game at oklahoma but when something comes out in front of him when there's a screen dump off cross around over the middle he closes as fast as any linebacker in college right now that is his uh calling card that's his bread and butter there in that oklahoma defense uh, and it's something that he was much better at or over the, towards the second half of this season Missed far fewer tackles. That was a big concern of mine heading into this year. Had 20 missed tackles last year, only 13 this year. Not a lot down the stretch. Played very, very well. It was a game changer in that Baylor Conference Championship game. Uh, you see that that explosiveness. Like I said, perfect fit for any team that's going to ask him to just you know spot drop into zone coverage and then go and attack in front of him. 
Let's go to the other off-ball linebacker here. We have David Woodward of Utah State. Didn't end up playing after week nine in Air, at Air Force, but as a sophomore, absurd production across six, 768 total snaps, 92.3 overall grade and 91.5 grade in coverage. This past year, didn't play as many snaps, still earned impressive grades and 83.1 overall grade. He's a guy that played really well in coverage in the Mountain West, but does he have that athleticism, that Kenneth Murray stuff to play coverage so in the NFL? It's, so you don't have to be Kevin Murray to be mm-hmm. a, good, a coverage line linebacker in the NFL to me he's almost like a Blake Martinez in that he's not super explosive straight line speed is not great but he will if you'll draft him in the fourth round you'll plug him in as a starter and you'll never be upset that he's your starter at linebacker you'll never be you you could upgrade but you'll never he's not going to miss a ton of plays he's not going to make a ton of bad plays you're not going to be screaming at your tv saying god damn it David Woodward why the hell were you doing this no he's just a very solid all-around player and has I would bet he runs around the high four sixes like a four seven, which is more than enough athleticism. I think he's just a very smooth athlete, but explosively, he's not gonna he's not gonna have a highlight real hit. He's not gonna make. He's not gonna blow up an offensive lineman to make a play. He's just probably gonna be in the right spot at the right time and finish uh, more plays than not. Do you know what he went down for the injury? Well, I don't remember what his injury was. Remember. I'm looking at uh, looking it up now. It looks like he you don't always get that stuff. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, for sure. Especially at small schools where they're not heavily reported. You will be like, I was searching forever to find out just what happened to Curse Weaver earlier this year. Turned out it was high ankle. But yeah, apparently it's in concussions. Oof. That's not great for the season. Season ending concussions is what it says. It, lo- it doesn't Yikes. look great. This is a. I declare is, early too. Yeah, that, that, that's not that's great. I would definitely want to look into that more and more than just a simple Google search. Search. Let's go to the last underclassman in the front seven, the linebacker here, Willie Gay Jr. of Mississippi State, six foot one, two hundred forty two pounds. Um, he's this he's a guy, guy that this this is a guy you kind of liked. You, this you, is the guy you, I loved heading into the season. I was like, we just need to see more of him. Mm-hmm. And well, we actually saw less of him. I mean, he only played one hundred seventy seven snaps this year. Yikes! Came in his very first series against Kentucky. Has a pick six. I mean, he is one of the fastest linebackers in college football. Uh, one of the smoothest coverage linebackers. Uh, to me, his sort of coverage ceiling is, and I hate using the word ceiling, but like he he has all the coverage traits you could possibly want. Like mm-hmm. he, he can move. The dude looks like a cornerback the way he moves out there. Like a Jamel uh, at Dean least safety. <laughs> yeah, basically. And, and but just not super, uh, not good at taking on blocks whatsoever. Probably going to be a liability in the run game early on in his career, similar to what we saw from like a Devin White this year. But also the red flags of. He got suspended this year, had multiple injuries, and now he leaves early after playing 846 snaps in a three-year career. With high uh, coverage with, grades. <laughs> with high yeah, coverage with grades across 80, the 87.1 coverage grade as a freshman, 90.6 last year, 89.9 this year on only 64 coverage snaps. Like this just, smells like if he buries the red flags, a steal on day two, day three. Yeah, It does. It I, definitely I bet, I bet like he, that way. It's just too many red flags in terms of not being able to stay on the field at Mississippi State with suspensions, uh, not even being able to stay stay on the field in terms of he was a spot starter for them last year in 2018, was not a full time starter for them. Uh, we come in in nickel and dime packages. But, yeah, there, there's some red flags, but the dude can cover, has shown it again and again throughout his career. Uh, I'll, I'll bet on that working well at the next level there you go that's going to do it for the front seven underclassmen on the defensive side of the ball um let's go ahead and get right into cornerbacks and safeties very impressive cornerback class at the underclass uh, underclassmen mm-hmm. at cornerback starting yes. with jeffrey akuda of ohio state cornerback one and that's not changing this guy's got the link athleticism you know former five star i mean this guy's got all the traits you want the production this year i, I don't see him and we talked about this before going past matt patricia and the detroit lions at number three he just i don't see him getting past that I well, I could see him getting past that. Okay, just based on 
the Lions draft history. Uh, Why are you guys saying but, that? Okay, hear me out. I don't see. Uh, I wish he wouldn't get past Lions. They'd probably go like yeah. Derek Brown or Javon Kinlaw or something at the top there. See, like, that's the thing that worries me about the Lions pick is because they were just so bad at rushing the pass last mm-hmm. year. They, have, they might just be like, well, we got to address rushing the passer. And yes, you know, top five, you can probably get a good player, Derek Brown. Uh, would probably be an upgrade from what they have there defensively. But I don't think he's after Chase Young. I don't think they're special mm-hmm. like Je- like Jeffrey Okuda is special at the cornerback position. Yeah. And so uh, just they were the least blitz heaviest team in the NFL this past year. The Lions, they d- just blitz more get draft Jeffrey Okuda and send five every snap. Like, I don't care if you have him and Darius Slay, your pass defense is going to be a lot better than it was this past year. End of story. If Akuda slips past Detroit Lions because their draft history, they'd rather attack defensive line. And then Gettleman, because he doesn't want to double dip at cornerback, lets that go, and he goes goes another direction. And then Miami's sitting there. Obviously, they want to attack by Lola. He's at five. You're thinking about Jeffrey Akuda falling to six, seven. That's like a steal. He could get to Jacksonville at seven, or, or, or I think they're at nine. Like, that's just I mean, that's how He should not fall. That's kind that of how far. the is the Marshawn Lattimore year, how it just like shook out to where people should have been drafting cornerbacks like the Jaguars I'm sure would in a heartbeat love to have Marshawn Lattimore right now but they took what was it that was was that the Fournette year that they drafted Fournette like it just like shook out to where no one was drafting cornerback and you see one of the top 10 cornerbacks in the NFL right now who had very few question marks all of a sudden slips outside the top 10 for some insane reason I think a lot of those teams that pass on them would like to have a do-over that's just what when that's like how we feel about the cornerback position is that it's one of those positions that a lot of team wish they could have do overs Marshall and or Tredavious White go top five now mm-hmm. in any sort of redraft. How can you not get on board with the Ohio State cornerbacks too? These guys with so yeah. much experience in man coverage. Marshawn Lattimore one, obvious. Even Gary on Conley, though, since his move to Houston, he ranks inside the top five in force incompletion percentage because he now he's playing way more man coverage in Houston yeah. and, and thriving that I mean, he got beat a couple times in the playoff game, but still he's you know constantly forcing tight window targets in man coverage. Jeffrey Cooper man if they let him slip outside the top five ah it'd be a disappointment because i mean this guy's a very very good player let's go to cj henderson of florida six foot one 196 pound very thin looks thin on the football field slight of frame but he's 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 an athlete he's definitely fast and i think he's a guy that at the next level maybe scheme dependent a bit and where he has success but he's flashed a handful of traits that you can kind of fall in love with yeah i, I think he has to go to a man heavy scheme like mm-hmm. that is what he does best just sticking with uh, opposing wide receivers is about as good as it gets in this class. Now, at the catch point, he's gotten beaten a handful of times, uh, has had some lackadaisical play, and I feel like personality-wise, we've brought that up, that he just doesn't seem like a number one cornerback personality. Like, mm-hmm. he's not a trash talker, not brash at all, very timid almost in his play style, mm-hmm. not an in-your-face. Even when he's in press coverage, he's not knocking guys. You know, he's not getting that jam in. He's kind of just mirroring you at the line of scrimmage. So he has those... He has all the athletic tools you could want at the position, but there's just something a little missing. Not quite sure what it is, but I don't know. I, I think he'll still put it together. Like I'd still bet on you just don't see guys with his sort of movement skills at the cornerback position every day. And when you do, you should probably draft him in the first round. That's how I feel about Henderson. Yeah. When I talked to him, I think it was before the season. He's he, like you said, the personality is not, not necessarily, I wouldn't even call it a red flag. I mean, it's something where he's just a more, he's a quieter yeah. dude, way more focused on his play and kind of doing his own thing. He said, he doesn't talk trash. Mm-hmm. I asked him what his goals for this year. He said, win a national championship. I was like, what about you for specifically? He's like, win a national championship. He does not. He's one of those, not those cornerbacks like a Jalen Ramsey, like a Marshawn Lattimore, Richard Sherman, where they're like, they play the mental game. A big part of it, their game is the mental game where they're talking trash and, and making fun of how you look. Kind of what you do with me a little bit, uh, but it's it's fine, but it, it gets in my head and it's same for receivers in the NFL. Uh, underclassman, Utah. 
Jalen Johnson, five foot ten, 194 pounds. I love his tape. Very instinctive mm-hmm. player. I think he's got good athleticism as well. He's, I think, even better than some of the seniors from Utah's defense that are going to the 100%. senior bowl. Jalen Johnson is a, is a guy that back into the first, top of the second round, like I'm jumping at the opportunity to grab him. Yeah, I think he was the best cornerback on this Utah team. Excuse me, best defender, best prospect on this Utah team this past season, even though like they do have a ton of senior talent. He, to me, was the difference maker on that roster. Only two picks, but I feel like his sort of, not, I don't want to say his ceiling in the NFL is higher, but I feel like he'll be a guy who will pick off a lot of passes in the NFL. Like, like that will be, he will be his instinctive cornerback. Kind of what you said so. about Paulson Adebo. Yes, uh, he, far, far more so than even than like a C.J. Henderson. He, he just has much better instincts and feel for the position breaking up passes, you know, using his leverage down the football field and also a very sure tackler over the course of his career, which uh, I think he could be. Uh, he's, he's a scheme diverse sort of fit, can play any sort of coverage you want. Um, where are you at with the rest of this Utah defense? So do you think Jalen Johnson arm and leg better or are there other guys on that Utah defense that you're getting excited about? Uh, I think he's quite a bit better. I think mm-hmm. you see Utah defense is going to live day two. You're going to yeah. see probably like five guys come off the board. Francis Bernard, Lucky Foto, yeah. Terrell Burgess. Uh, Burgess and Julian Blackman, all those guys likely day two, maybe early day three sort of guys. All right. Hold me closer. Cameron Dantzler. Bradley and A2. Jeez. Yep. Hold me closer. Cameron Dantzler, Mississippi State. His 2018 tape was fantastic. And in 2019, targeted a little bit, not at the same rate, but I think this year too, still very impressive in press coverage. I think that's where he kind of really stands out for me. See, I just want to see him weigh in. Like, mm-hmm. that's all I really care about now. He made so, so many more plays in zone this year than he did last year uh, at Mississippi State, where they were just playing a ton of press 2018 this past year. Far more diverse uh, sort of coverage skill set, and he thrived in it still. He was still very good. The, one of the few cornerbacks we talked about who just didn't get torched by LSU. Mm-hmm. But to me, just need to see uh, how much he weighs in at because he looks legitimately like six two. He's listed at mm-hmm. listed at one eighty five. He looks maybe more like one seventy. Like the dude doesn't have any muscle on him. But it, it, but it hasn't mattered yet. Mm-hmm. Like it, it probably will matter once you get to the NFL. But I just need to see it, that he can put on weight. Yeah, because right being an impressive man corner in 2018 against the guys he was going against are nowhere near the same size and athleticism as guys who go against the NFL. And you can't just do it at 175 pounds. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not that easy. Even though he's a six foot two, I, I think he's got a lot of tools that you like. But you'd like to see him weigh in a little bit heavier so you can you can get comfortable uh-huh. with him playing press man at the next level. Yes. Uh, all right, we're going to this next guy here from Auburn. He. This is a name that I will struggle to pronounce. It is Noah Igbanagani. Igbanagani. I'll just take your word for it. I'm, I looked up the pronunciation. I could <laughs> even, but I could be butchering that right now. I apologize for that. But Auburn, five uh, eleven, hundred ninety nine pounds, graded better um, as a sophomore. Yeah. But uh, still, though, I, I think there's there's reason to kind of get on board with this guy. Yeah, I'm 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 a fan of his. I, I thought in terms of being able to stick with wide receivers, he has all the athleticism, all the foot speed. To be able to do a kick inside, reduce the slot a lot for Auburn in that defense, and was very, uh, it was one of the most impressive sort of man, when playing man coverage in the slot of any cornerback I've seen in this class so far. The kicker, though, extremely grabby. Like, uh, he had four penalties this past year, which was uh, by the grace of God that he only had four. Like, there, there was. Divine intervention there uh, on some refs flags that didn't get thrown this year because he's just all over opposing wide receivers. I I think he's a guy who another year would have really helped his draft stock. Like, I don't think he's going to go. I feel pretty comforting that he's not going to go first round. He might not even be, you know, until like a third, fourth round type of guy. Whereas I think he has the athleticism and the traits to if he had come back and really shown out 
next year at Auburn. I think he could have been in the first round sort of conversation with all uh, the sort of tools he does have in his toolbox, but just not just inconsistent yeah. at this point. And his production in 2018, 2019 kind of speak to that. A 74.7 PFF coverage grade in 2018, a 70.1 coverage grade this past year. And like you said, inconsistent. There are some games in here with you know below 62.0 coverage grades where he's allowing kind of bigger receptions and getting mm-hmm. penalized, kind of like you said. Um, going to Amik Robinson, this guy, uh, Amik Robertson, I apologize, Louisiana Tech, grades super well. He's five foot eight, 183 pounds. 183 might be aggressive. That might be, you know, maybe not what he weighs in at the combine. Yeah. But this is a okay. I, I hate saying it, but fun to watch. I mean, he's a, he, he gets his hand yeah, on the ball a ton. He gets his he's, hand on the ball a ton, and I think aggressive guys in the group of five that are this small. Maybe it's hard to find a role for him in the NFL. But I mean, come on, how do you not how do you not fall in love with him a little bit? I love that he declared because he knows he's not going first round. He's 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 probably not even going day two. Like mm-hmm. he knew it was just like a long shot, but he balled out this year 17 pass breakups yes. five more picks like he is an in your face cornerback reminds me a lot of jimmy moreland last year the james madison cornerback where he's going to get up and press he's going to punch you in the mouth he's going to do anything he can to make up for that size deficiency uh and if he was you know if he was six foot uh 195 and ran a 4-4 he would be a top 10 sort of player like mm-hmm. that's how, that's how that's how his feel for the position is but I just don't know where he can do with him, man. Five nine, one eighty three. Like he is tiny, yeah, and plays mostly outside cornerback there for them at Louisiana Tech. So he's a nice day three guy. Take a flyer on, see if he can play slot for you. This guy but. had some interest though when he was a recruit, three star recruit according to twenty four seven Sports. Five foot eight, one hundred sixty five pounds, but still had offers from LSU, Houston, Arizona. Ended up taking the offer with Louisiana Tech. He's from Louisiana, but like LSU being interested in him, yeah. who, who really covets at the cornerback position or defensive back, really. I think knowing that he's like somewhat of a good athlete despite his size. Yeah. I, I mean, like a, a good athlete considering his size. I think there's going to be a team on day three that picks up him yeah. and, and really finds that he's a, kind of an interesting guy that you can... Well, I think we saw Jimmy, Jimmy Moore. Like, he goes seventh round, and then he was starting this year and at the slot for the... Uh, Redskins. So I think that could be very well be what his future holds. Man, there there have been some disappointing years this year for us. But Darnay Holmes, I, I really did think he was going to take the next step yeah. at UCLA. I, he's a he's a freaky athlete. Mm-hmm. Great speed, great change of direction. I, I mean, there's a reason people are falling in love with this guy. I mean, Dane Brugler is is putting his forty projection at four three six. I I, I could see him running slow, I mean, faster than that. He is a very very good athlete, but inconsistent, grabby. Aesop Winston Jr. of Washington State absolutely torched him on a handful of routes, and he got beat another time, too. I think you should watch the Michael Pittman game, Mm -hmm. where I think there were some routes he won, some routes he lost. I think Darnay Holmes, inconsistent, but the athleticism, the traits are really going to draw people. Yeah, he'll have routes where, I mean, even the last year, the Marquise Brown go route, uh, there was a post corner that LaVisca Chenault ran against him where didn't get a foot of separation throughout the entire route. Like, he'll have the times where you just, you say, wow, you're like, how is, uh, how, how come he doesn't do this every single time? You know, that sort of thing. But he doesn't. And he's been inconsistent throughout the course of his career. Three years of starting now at UCLA and very up and down in those three years but uncoachable, uncoachable sort of traits and ball skills. Like he attacks the catch point the right way, 
has some picks where you're just like, wow, that was, you know, he could have played. Could he this play is a guy that I think guy, he's going to the senior bowl and people mm-hmm. are, I think there's a chance either people fall in love with him because he blows up the one-on-ones because he's that much more athletic yeah. or he gets kind of beat down because, I mean, he's a guy that loves to fight on a double move. He's yeah. a guy that likes to get too aggressive at times. And there, there are some and, receivers and there that can, Michael Pittman, Michael Pittman will, will put it in. Yeah. Michael Pittman will put it in on Darnay Holmes a handful of times. But I think Darnay, if he can turn in a good What's senior bowl. Oh, sorry. <laughs> but, but I, I don't like that expression the more I said it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's dive off the put it in. Let's dive into Trajan Brandy, Bandy of Miami. Another smaller corner that I think there are a handful of routes, like a slant or something in front of him where he plays the ball really nice and, and jumps on the ball. You're like, oh, wow. Very good stuff here. But yeah. smaller, don't love what he can do on the top end of, from a speed no, standpoint. And that, that concerns me. I don't. So, yeah, he's 5'9", 187. And he I don't think he has to change the direction ability to like stay on the outside at least or, or even, the like, top speed really. or even to be like you better be quick laterally if you're playing if you're a slot cornerback that's like their uh the main trait there and i don't think he has that necessarily either he got murdered on a double move by diamond brown just couldn't hadn't stopped his feet and then couldn't get up to speed nearly quick enough uh on a stutter go there and also not a good tackler at, at this point over in his career 41.9 tackling grade because he missed 10 tackles on 38 attempts this year which is a bad rate he's been pretty poor in that regard over the course of his career so if you're small bad change of direction and can't tackle that's what do you that's do not, that's not what do you help. do when, when you can be a good college corner that's that small but you also want to play in the nfl i, I don't think you should be playing that position really i mean it's tough like it's just such a tough position to make it's it in the nfl when you're small uh, yeah. when you're in your, when you are that small and then you factor in that he doesn't he's not an elite athlete not mm-hmm. elite uh, from a uh, measurable standpoint man that is that is tough all right we're going to harrison hand now six foot 192 pounds you're in a 70.6 coverage grade for temple this year uh transfer from baylor yeah yeah. Playing for Temple, you expect it against group of five competition. Maybe he takes a real big step. Uh, not a ton of production for him this year. Yeah, stuff that you can't really fall in love with right yeah, now. Yeah, he was just a guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah he declared because uh, Lord knows why, but I'd be surprised if. Uh, so there's a couple guys who would declare that I'd be surprised if they get drafted. He's probably one of them. Really? That's that's where it's at. Did you check his jersey number? Is it single digit? That's kind of where we have 23. To fall. Oh, man. He's not even Temple Tough? Yeah. If he's not even Temple Tough, I can't, I can't get on board with this right. guy. Are you serious? All right. Well, let's just move on from him. Baylor transfer. Hard to be Temple Tough in a year, though. Maybe next year if he did stay. Maybe that's what maybe been. he knew he wasn't going to yeah, be Temple Tough. You can't tough. be a Baylor transfer coming in. You're like, yeah, I'm Temple Tough. Like, dude, you're, you're Baylor butt. Oh. You're, <laughs> oh, sorry. Jo- Josiah Scott, okay. Michigan State. We're going in here. 5'10", 172 pounds. Um, smaller guy. Dude. Again, when, when I see 172, it, you're... I mean, he, looks, he just gets slapped around by, like, college wide receivers and, like, loses at the catch point all the time, too. Like, it was... It already was showing up. It's only going to show up more. Um, yeah, very surprised he would come out. Is this time. another guy where you're starting to think about day three, maybe not even an option for him? Or? Yeah, like, he's late day three, I'd say, at this mm-hmm. point. The production is all right, but it definitely wasn't to the degree where... Gonna make overlook the, that yeah. he's 180 pounds, 170 pounds dripping yeah. wet. Yeah, that's that's tough to overlook. Uh, going to Florida State here, Stanford Samuels, bigger, not not necessarily the 175 mm-hmm. pound type, but still a thinner frame, six foot one, 188 pounds, three year starter. Not not great production though. You're not falling in love with his coverage grades or his ball production. Where are you at with him? So yeah, he gave up over 1100 yards the last two seasons combined. So, like he just hasn't gotten torched a lot. He's at, at his size, you know, you would think he'd be a press sort of cornerback, but he was just so sloppy with mm-hmm. his feet at the line of scrimmage. I, I He's just got a long way to go. I, I'm another one. I'm surprised he came out. Will he he will probably be drafted? But this is a this is a day three guy. 
at best for us at this point. Utah, back to Utah here. Javelin Guidry or Guidry. Guidry? Yeah. Five foot nine, 193 pounds, play a ton of slot cornerback for them. I mean, I like Terrell Burgess in the slot for Utah more than I like this guy, though. Name scouting, though, Javelin is pretty dope. He, he was. He played slot, and the slot, you know, like you think, has good his own instincts, and he really didn't. He was mm-hmm. a lot better when he was asked to just play man coverage. But again, a man corner at 5'9", 193 is a tough sell mm-hmm. in the NFL. It's just not going to be uh, – you're not going to be coveted that highly. And, yeah, I really just did not care for him in zone coverage. Uh, the good news, if there is one, the silver lining about him in zone coverage is very solid tackler. Only mm-hmm. 11 missed tackles, 106, 126 career attempts. Like, he's been very good in that regard. But, yeah, not a playmaker uh, on the ball whatsoever so far at this point. Anyway, and with him, too, I mean, I immediately jumped to when you turn on the tape at Utah, there's a guy that plays a ton of slot corner. It's Terrell Burgess. I think he mixes exactly. his snaps yeah. at box and, and slot corner. But when he plays slot corner, I think this is a guy that has good instincts. Very that good. Puts, yes. puts hands on balls. And I think that's uh, um, interesting that he did declare. I think mm-hmm. you got a lot of Utah defenders though leaving it's hard it's hard to stick gotta hang with the boys yeah yeah. you gotta hang with the boys there james pierre of fau i have not i gotta be i haven't watched a ton of this guy where another guy who i'd be surprised just if he got drafted like we're getting to the bottom of the barrel here he's a long cornerback but not uh big you're not like he's skinny he's only 185 pounds at six two and uh, I just don't know if he's going to test well at all. I think like, he might run the four sixes at that point. You're, you're not going to. Can we end on a high note, please? I and mean, we got to the bottom of the barrel. Now you're like losing your words yeah, here. Safeties, What's going safeties, on? Some of these safeties. There's there's one safety I like in this that all right. we haven't talked about. Let's much. get to it. Xavier McKinney of Alabama. Uh, th- this guy has such a. OK, so there's an interception he has on his tape where he he breaks on. I, I think he gets beat a little bit deeper in the middle and then turns and ends up like falling into an interception. I don't remember who he was playing. I, I was watching all 22. It was good. But mm-hmm. I, I think he special change of direction is what I saw. From yeah. That. Okay. No. Yes, he did. And I think I actually remember the game you're talking about. Now. I think it was like a FCS school that they're playing. Western Carolina or something yeah, like that. It was yeah, Western Carolina towards the end of the year. That was a really nice pick. And he does have good ball skills for a safety, kind of a do it all type of guy. Uh, I, I, he's been rising at my board this year uh, with his play. I didn't see, I saw good, not special last year, but I think he's been far more consistent game in and game out uh, in 2019 and only a true junior. Like I, I probably was a little too harsh on him because he was only a true sophomore playing last year, but has gotten a lot better. Very solid tackler. That's going to be that's going to help him in the Delpit versus McKinney conversation. If you're talking about top safeties, only ten missed tackles uh, on 96 attempts this past year compared to Grant Delpit. That's like uh, playing a different football game altogether. So Xavier uh, <laughs> McKinney has a lot of fans. We're probably not going to be quite as high, but the second round conversation easily at this point for us. Geno Stone, a safety for Iowa, played a ton of free safety this past year. Has earned high coverage grades pretty much all throughout his career. But that's what we see at Iowa, though. These Iowa Defensive backs are, are very well coached, specifically in zone coverage, where they yes. grade really, really well for us. And time and time, Desmond King is one of the highest graded defensive backs we've seen in the college era, and he played you know, him playing for Iowa. Geno Stone as well. They have another guy that's going to the Senior Bowl, Michael Ojemudia, or mm-hmm. one of those. I think there are some plays on his tape where you're like, "Wow, this guy's special," and he grades well. Uh, Geno Stone, where are you though with him? The, the free safety. I like Stone a lot more than uh, Ojemudia with the, the mm-hmm. Michael O. Oh, my, yeah, uh, Michael O. I like him a lot more. It's Geno Stone, I, I thought, n- never really had any reps from like, damn, that was, wow, that was like incredible. Let me watch more. Kind of like when I was watching Darnell Savage last year, you saw like one play and you'd be like, holy shit, I need to yes, see more of this yes. guy. Geno Stone, I didn't have that many of them, but the more I'm like going through his tape, I'm like, oh, wow, like that's like he's consistently making 
quality plays mm-hmm. consistently like getting to where he needs to be quicker than I would have expected him to get there making you know just really nice football plays and never really getting torched never really being out of place on the back end so I'm, I'm a big fan of his uh, the more and more I watched him moving up our safety board doesn't have you know absurd sort of uh, statistical profile by any means, but the grading wise, I mean, 85.2 coverage grade as a freshman. Now we didn't only play 45 coverage snaps, but 89.8 last year, 2018, uh, 84.5 this past season. That's a very good uh, breadth. Uh, it's a very good sample size, as mm-hmm. we like to say. Notre Dame, Aloha Gilman, uh, the safety there, he's playing in the box the next level. Doesn't necessarily have the, yeah, the top probably. speed where you, you think. So the Harrison Smith comp is easy, but Harrison Smith, the Harrison Smith comp, I've seen it's, it. I've seen lazy. It. It's lazy. It's I lazy, I guess. Easy was maybe too generous. Lazy, but this guy is not playing the Harrison Smith role, the split safety top uh, over the top role in the next level. He's going into the box. I think he's a box safety much more likely at the next level than anything else. And if you're going to use him as a deep safety, you might. You might be in for you might be in for a uh, surprise. It's not going to be great. <laughs> yeah. So he's gotten torched at times in that Notre Dame defense when he has to go backwards. But anything in front of him, he has been exceptional over the course of his career. Uh, a fairly solid tackler, uh, much better 2018 season than this past year. But I think you're just getting uh, a solid. He's probably going to be like a fourth rounder at this point. Fourth round type of safety that uh, is probably going to be your nickel dimebacker sort of guy. Mm-hmm. All right, going to Cameron Curl of Arkansas. Graded really well this year. Over yeah. a 90.0 uh, PFF coverage grade. And he did that playing a ton of different positions. He played in the box for 185 snaps, 293 at slot corner, 195 at free safety. That do-it-all type, not in the same tier as Xavier yeah. McKinney. But when you see that snap position profile where you can see a guy that can have that level of production, 90-plus coverage uh-huh. grade at different positions, that's good. See, I love his instincts and love he's To me, he's just a football player, but he athletically just seems so limited. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's just not going to. uh, There are plays that he just left on the football field because he doesn't have the explosives, doesn't have the straight line speed to go ahead and make it. Might run in the four sixes at safety position, which just not the way the game's going uh, on the back. And you need some speed back there. So I, I'm a fan of his. Like watching his tape, you you want him to succeed because I think he does a lot of football things really well. But I just I worry about uh, how he's going to test. I just worry about that translating. All right, that's going to do it for cornerbacks and safeties on this underclassman defense preview. A ton of good guys in there, some guys that maybe should have returned to school. But the guys at the top, again, was Chase Young, Jeffrey Kuda. I think there's reason to fall in love with Cameron Dantzler, Jalen Johnson, too, the two cornerbacks, even C.J. Henderson. I think it's a nice corner. I, I think we put we put him down a little bit for the personality limited from a trash-talking standpoint, but the dude's still a rare athlete that yeah. can play man coverage the next level and probably have a ton of success. Mm-hmm. Um, last segment of the podcast, but before we dive into that, got to dive into some proper cloth, man. These sponsors are fantastic. Fantastic. This is, I think, the fourth or fifth shirt I've had from them, and I'm liking this lavender. I know it looks a little like Easter Sunday, but I kind of like the good feel. Look. Good, good fit. Um, I definitely love the fit. But proper cloth, if you don't know, go to the website. You're able to choose, and you have one on too. I like that gray. Yeah, I that wore this on uh, New Year's. It's uh, Moreno wool. It's actually very nice. Comfortable. Nice. Did it? Uh, that's good, man. How did any compliments on New no, Year's? No, I didn't get any compliments, but it was, it was okay. Well, it was they obviously time, didn't feel it. <laughs> if you feel, if you exactly. feel a proper cloth shirt, like oh wow, this is Egyptian yeah. cotton, 800 thread. No, but proper cloth. Fantastic stuff. You can order them all online. Very customizable. Great fits there. Stop wearing shirts that do not fit. Go to propercloth.com slash PFF today. And if you enter promo code PFF20, you'll save $20 off your first shirt. Thank you again to Proper Cloth. Let's go into Rolling Rooks now. And we, we, we started the podcast with this name, and we are going to get into it again. Mm. DK Metcalf. Yeah. Just put it. No, I'm not using that phrase again. Did a really good job beating the Eagles secondary deep down the football field this past weekend. Some might say he put it in <laughs> on the Eagles secondary. But yeah, 
yes, I mean, this was this was why you draft him is for the big plays. And yes, they won't show up weekly. He's not going to be. Uh, we said it during draft time. He's not going to be a hundred catch guy. Like mm-hmm. if he ever gets a hundred catches in the career, I'd be f- in the season. I'd be floored. Like that's just not yeah. who he How is. How often he thrown deep? <laughs> but, <laughs> like I mean, yeah. that's that's what it would be. They and they. That's the thing is the Seahawks have thrown deep more often than any other team in the NFL. Not more more frequently. They mm-hmm. the percentage of throws that are deep are the highest in the NFL. They love going deep because they have the players to execute that skill set. That is DK Metcalf to a T. And then when they're when it's good, it looks like that seven catches, one sixty. You just don't have guys who can match. Just not, the amount of cornerbacks that can match up with him athletically on the vertical route tree are not that many in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And that's why we were so high on him coming out. I had him as the top wide receiver on our draft boards because we just felt so safe in whatever that would be working. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think we had him as wide receiver one for that reason, for the, because yeah. he wins those valuable routes and can offer value deep down the football field. If you can do that, you're going to be more Genius. coveted from even more versatile receivers that could run any route on the route tree. But hey, if you nice can't win yeah. at the deep level of the football field, I'm not going to cover you like I can a DK Metcalf. He's a difference maker. He's the guy that puts pressure on the defense. Yes. Uh, next guy, Deontay Harris. I know you're, what we're going to bring up with him. Put put um, Xavier Rhodes in a blender, <laughs> attacked his blind spot, Unreal. and then just completely roasted him off the screen but yeah. i want to say this too in addition to that fantastic play down the football field um he was really good in the return game i mean he's very good return oh, right? I, I think he's been one of the one of the, one of the better yeah. returners i think with all pro team both aps and ours he's been very good this year yeah uh, he's just electric and i'm actually interested to see if they use him more as a receiver because that i mean that route was Crisp. Like well, they won't a, be doing that this postseason. Maybe yeah, next year yeah. they could try, but, but uh, they're already out. No, I mean, so they only used him as in, in the offense 72 snaps all year long, including oh, really? this past week. So wow. he was not you know, any part of their game plan. He was solely basically their returner. But, I mean, that route was, like, was a nice route. The way he tracked the ball down the football field was, uh, I mean, it looked good. Uh, it, very similar, I don't want to say to Tyreek Hill in terms of, but like I think they could get that sort of usage out of him. Early career Tyreek Hill where it was just like, this guy's too dynamic to not start getting him the ball uh, in a number of different ways and see if he can develop as a receiver. But that's just the way he looks, uh, you know, as a returner and with that route he ran against Xavier Rhodes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what if I told you that Eric McCoy had one of the best rookie seasons we've seen from a center since Nick Mangold? Nick Mangold was probably – is uh, when I checked this, and I think it was week 16, yeah. week 17, one of the – only highest graded rookie centers we've had. And that goes all the way back to 2006. And then what if I told you he had his best graded game in the postseason? Yeah. That's insane. I mean, Eric McCoy had such a good year, a 79.8 overall grade against Minnesota, 85.3 as a pass blocker and 77.2 in the run game. I mean, Eric McCoy, you couldn't have asked for a better season from a center. And they drafted this guy in round two at 48th overall. Yeah, uh, he looks every bit one of the best centers in the NFL. And he goes up against Linval Joseph this past week and more than holds his own. Like that was a very impressive performance. They, I, I know they gave up, you know, another second rounder to trade up and go get Eric McCoy, but dude looks well worth the pick that they t- took him with. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Saints keep uh, keep trading their future ones for current ones, but they keep hitting on them. So that's why they keep being in the playoffs. Yeah. There you go. Uh, well, they keep losing in the playoffs. But they do that. Too, that's yeah. man. I, that was such an interesting game. I have seven point favorites. I have close to seven and a half in some po- in some spots. There. The Vikings though are such like I feel like they're such a matchup driven team. Like they look like crap one week, but then like some a few matchups that they got that like favor them, and all of a sudden they're uh, in the game. I don't know why, but they uh, they're Jekyll and Hyde team this year. 
All right, let's go Devin Singletary. This is an interesting evaluation. I saw some draft pundits, even some draft experts talking about Devin Singletary because he had such a good game uh, in, in, in the playoffs there. And it's because his combine was awful. Weighed in terribly, small, didn't run fast. People were like, I, I think I saw a couple people throwing up in Indianapolis. <laughs> like, no, like his what draft stock's that? tanking. But what we saw at FAU across multiple seasons is he's one of the better running backs in college football at forcing missed tackles and gaining yards after contact. And when you talk to guys like Eric Eager and George Jahuri, who are looking at statistics that translate from the college to the pro levels, they say force missed tackles per touch, elusive rating and yards after contact. Like those things at the running back position translate. And you're seeing that now with Devin Singletary. I think there was plenty of reason to start to bail on Singletary after his combine, but they're also what kept him kind of in good regard is specifically in mm-hmm. PFF's opinion was he still forced a ton of missed tackles at FAU. And that, that ability doesn't just go away after a bad combine. Yeah. He's, he wasn't going to be all basically that said was he's not going to be breaking, ripping off 50 yard runs, mm-hmm. you know, fairly regularly, which they're pretty, if you were relying on a guy who to get 50 yard plus runs they're they're fairly rare like they're fairly <laughs> inconsistent even if you are going to be travis Etienne, saquon barkley at the next level uh it's just you're not going to have a ton of them grinding up yards between the tackles or getting consistently more yards than you're expecting uh is something that will translate so six broken tackles on 13 carries this past weekend three more broken tackles on six catches for 76 yards like it was a all-around uh performance and they just they got to give him more carries than Frank Gore next year. <laughs> I mean, why the amount of people? I think it was the fantasy uh, community that was getting involved, and the draft community was getting involved. Stop giving the ball to Frank Gore. I, I think it was some haters out there, but I mean, Devin Singletary was a better player per play. He's a better player. He gives you more opportunity to to, to gain yards there. I mean, right. Frank Gore, the wheels are, they, they were just off. This yeah, year. like it's over. <laughs> like it, I'm sorry, you don't you can't play. I think he later. only has probably what another five eight years. Thirty six. <laughs> just kidding. Like, dude. <laughs> All right, Cody Ford, blackout segment here. Only two on the blackout yeah. segment. Keeping it kind of positive there. I think I think you could have easily thrown some others. But 51.8 overall grade for the year for Cody Ford, near to 52.4 overall grade in the wild card game against Houston. He also got called for that blindside block where he had people adding him on Twitter, telling him to kill him, all this crazy stuff. Like, I hate that. I hate that about I mean, NFL fandom. Like I hate, no, Everyone but I'm saying, I hate that specifically about NFL oh, fandom. Okay. It's like, it's just such a monstrosity sometimes. Like, specifically a rookie, a young guy, like that um but mm. he's on the blackout segment not 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 solely for that play he did not actually play that well in this game either yeah four pressures now we went up against jj watt on a good deal of those pass block that's snaps, tough that's but tough to do just uh on only 26 pass block snaps four pressures uh it, he he might have to kick in a guard like we, <laughs> we've said i think he even said it during draft time is like give him the shot at tackle let him have his go there but his foot speed uh, he's just gotten exposed or lack thereof has gotten exposed. And so I do think that he's probably he, he had the test at tackle. I think he's probably his future is at guard. Still think he could be a very good player at guard, but I just do not think tackles probably uh, just going to be best suited for his talent. Uh, uh, he's he'll get better obviously but I, I don't think that that's his future all right now we got to talk travis homer uh, after what was a promising i think debut for him a uh, 10 runs against san francisco 62 yards this was this was quite the opposite he had a fumble i think it was on the first carry his first carry of the game he fumbled the football that's going to hurt your grade and they also didn't force a single missed tackle on his 11 carries and gained 12 yards 14 of which coming after contact i mean it wasn't like it was easy <laughs> sledding but still that kind of performance is unacceptable and a really bad one at that yeah and it's we talk about running backs don't matter but like when you're on to your fifth string running back it, it kind of starts to like it's because there's so many good ones but there's not you know there's not over 100 good ones in the nfl that can run behind an offensive line so yeah they're just kind of 
behind the eight ball right now, the Seahawks with their running game probably shouldn't be leaning on it the way they are. I'll say this though. I mean, that Seattle Seahawks offensive line didn't give him a ton of love in that. Oh yeah. Game. I mean, it was that's, a bad. Game. That's not, that's been, that's been their MO though. They haven't been given a lot of love to any of it. Like this, it's just not a great offensive line. So I, I do think if you don't have Chris Carson running behind it, you might not be getting the success you want. No, no, Seattle Seahawks offensive lineman earned above a 57.0 run blocking grade in that game. I mean, they, they just got like blown up. I mean, that's just like completely yeah, torched by, and they were playing a ton of backups. I think they had backup center or backup in other positions too. But like Mo when Joey you're not Hunt. getting help up front, it's next to impossible regardless of pos- I mean, how good you are as a running back to have mm-hmm. success. But Travis Homer still did not perform above expectation in that game. That's going to do it for the 2 for 1 Drafts podcast. It's been a fantastic one. Love talking underclassmen, especially at that defense position and some rolling rooks. Tune in Thursday that's some even more more good stuff for you i even talked to jalen rager of tcu could throw that in the mix there so tune into that remember we're on spotify stitcher and apple Podcasts. you can also find us live on youtube tuesdays and thursdays that's gonna do it austin gale mike renner two for one drafts